Hello, and welcome to 10-Minute Treadmill Stories. I'm Stacy. I'm Jonah. Today, I have the story of Josephine Baker. I've heard the name Josephine Baker, and I thought that she was like a roaring 20s performer. But holy cow, she was so much more than that. Josephine Baker is an American-born French entertainer. She was a French resistance agent and a civil rights activist. And she could dance. (laughs) The whole time she was resisting and fighting, she was boogieing simultaneously. Yeah. (laughs) She was born Frida Josephine McDonald, and she was born in St. Louis in 1906. St. Louis. Yeah. She actually grew up near Union Station. And if you're from St. Louis, that is quite a landmark. I am currently sitting in my basement in my house in St. Louis, Missouri, and Union Station's about uh, two miles away from here. Fantastic. Uh, when I say that she grew up in severe poverty, um, it, it was really sad. She had only sporadic schooling. She looked for odd jobs to survive. Oh, wow. Sometimes she lived in cardboard boxes on the street. She found food in garbage cans. It was severe. And when she couldn't find work, she would dance on the street for money. She'd like do a little street performance and people would, you know, give her some coins and stuff. Um, And at age 13, she got a job as a waitress at a place called the Old Chauffeur's Club. And that is where she met a boy named Willie Wells. Now, I do not know how old he was, but they got married. Oh, whoa. Where were her parents at at this time or place? You know, I've seen conflicting reports about her father. Uh, A couple of things that I read said that her parents were entertainers as well. And they traveled throughout the Midwest and brought her on stage sometimes. But then other things I read said that she was fatherless and that there were conflicting reports about who her father actually was. So... I'm not sure if he was present at the time. Her mother did remarry someone who Josephine said was very kind, but um, perpetually unemployed. Ah, one of those. Yeah. So either way, uh, there was no no money and she was, you know, kind of forced to do whatever she could to survive. So she got married when she was 13 years old. And shockingly, that marriage lasted only a year. She and Willie got divorced when she was 14. And Josephine then got a job with a troupe of street performers. They were called the Jones Family Band. And there she met another Willie, Willie Baker. And they got married in 1921 when she was 15. All she needed was two more years to get her head on straight because... uh... Based on the based on her name that you gave at the beginning, it sounds like maybe this marriage lasted a little longer. It did last a little longer, but she she stayed married, but she left him when her vaudeville troupe got a gig and she was booked in New York City. I mean, imagine getting a gig in New York City, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I I recently I, I guess I'm like Josephine Baker. I recently got a gig in New York City myself. I'm I've been broadcasting from my basement <laughs> where I am right now in St. Louis, Missouri. Although I plan on staying married, uh, so that is where our yeah. paths diverge. <laughs> also, just a, a retroactive uh, statement. I'm imagining that Willie Number Two was also around 15 years old. Uh, and that's why I can be so easy making these jokes because if, if if Willie was was pushing twenty, then then never mind. I know they. I haven't found how old either Willie was, um, and I I. I'm gonna live in a fantasy. Didn't then. really want to know. I'm with you. So that part, fantasy land. Um, they were both fifteen. 
So here's the deal. She left him when she got this gig in New York. She moved, but they stayed married and they were officially divorced in 1925. I shouldn't be, but I'm still like surprised when I get reminded that divorce wasn't invented in 1960. Right? Like, that people were still <laughs> like, I don't know what that is. I'm like, oh, the birth control pill and divorce were invented in the same year. Like, I don't know. I, seriously. I mean, it's crazy. Every time we do these stories, I'm reminded of, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Oh, yeah. That's the more depressing subtitle of our podcast. Yes. <laughs> I am hoping this next part actually does change because Josephine grew up and was doing all of this during the Jim Crow era. And she was a victim of and the witness to constant discrimination. She was really hurt by it, of course. And she actually ended up leaving America at the age of 19 to perform as a burlesque dancer in Paris. Oh, so she's French, but she, she, I was, when I heard she was French, I didn't even consider that, that she might be black. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. So she was born in St. Louis and she became French when she moved to Paris and she oh, renounced naturalized. her U.S. citizenship. Yes, I'm sorry. That was very unclear. Got you. Okay, okay. She she became this like jazz age star because of these burlesque shows that she would put on. She had a really risque dance routine and her costume was a rubber banana skirt and a string of pearls. And she was a huge <laughs> hit. Is banana skirt like a style of skirt or literally do you think it's like that looks like a banana? Well, a pencil skirt is not made of pencils. However, a banana skirt is made of bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes on to, you know, expand her repertoire. She can dance. She sings. She starts to act. And she starred in the silent film Siren of the Tropics in 1927 and became the first black woman to star in a major motion picture. Whoa. Then Hitler arrives and Ger the German army invades France during World War II. And Josephine was like, um, I don't think so. I love France. And she couldn't just stand by and do nothing. So she became a spy. She would attend diplomatic parties at the Italian and Japanese embassies. She would gather intelligence about the Axis powers that might be joining the war. And then she would like write secret notes of what she overheard on the palms of her hand and on her arms under her sleeves. And she wasn't scared of being caught because she knew her fame was the perfect cover and that no one would suspect such a celebrity who traveled. I'm not making this up. This is real. She traveled with 28 pieces of luggage, pet monkeys, pet mice, <laughs> a Great Dane and an entourage. And so she knew that this was a huge distraction and that nobody would suspect her and when she was warned of the danger she actually was quoted as saying oh nobody would think I'm a spy so she keeps on performing every night she performs in Paris while France is occupied but then the invaders like close in on Paris and she's gotta go so the Nazi troops actually occupied her home in Paris but she was hiding refugees and French resistance members in a chateau that she owned 300 miles away in the southwest. She would smuggle documents to General Charles de Gaulle. Maybe you've heard of his airport. I have. I've been there. <laughs> Me too. 
she hid secret photographs under her dress and well, she not would- the banana one because I finally Google imaged it to see if you were messing with me or not. <laughs> and while they're probably not real bananas at all, it's it looked like boomerangs tied to a string and they're around her waist. Yeah, those are rubber bananas. And guess what? You can see right through them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so she continued to gather intel. She would hide out in bathrooms at these parties and write everything down and attach the notes to her bra with a safety pin. And she said that... Quote, my notes would have been highly compromising had they been discovered, but who would dare search Josephine Baker to the skin? When they asked me for papers, they generally meant autographs. Little badass. So then she returned to the United States and it was a real step back because she witnessed the segregation and the discrimination that she hadn't experienced since she was a kid in St. Louis. She refused to perform to segregated audience, and she was so famous that this forced the club owners to integrate for her show. Dicks! She was so (laughs) famous, and it would cost them so much money that they integrated. And because of her constant fight against discrimination, she was recognized by the NAACP. And in 1963, she was one of the few women allowed to even speak at the March on Washington. And she was the only official female spokesperson there. And she spoke beside Martin Luther King Jr. Her resume gets uh, bigger and bigger. I know. I'm, I'm just trying to squish this into 10 minutes, but she was so amazing and did so much like this could easily be an hour-long story about josephine baker i'm surprised there's not like a blockbuster movie yet right there should be she did speak next to martin luther king jr and after his assassination his widow coretta scott king asked josephine to replace him as the leader of the civil rights movement Josephine thought about it for days and she decided not to do it. She thought it would be too dangerous and she didn't want to leave her kids without a mom. She had adopted 13 kids from all over the world and she called her family the Rainbow Tribe and they traveled together to show that racial and cultural harmony was great and it could exist. She was a performer until the very end and in 1975 she performed for the last time. Oh my gosh, I'm getting teary. Hold it together. She performed for the last time. The show was sold out. She received a standing ovation. And then she passed away on April 12th, 1975. Talk about a a beautiful, amazing, and jam-packed life. And also, I mean, just what sticks out to me, too, is is the woman who was spying in in Nazi-occupied areas said that being the face of the civil rights movement was too dangerous. So also, I mean... Damn. Right? Well, wow. Thanks for sharing. 